Yeah, thanks. I um, and Kaylee and I will also be at uh, Jesse and Aubrey, so you're gonna have the coolest people going to that one. So if you haven't picked one yet, that's where you want to go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you are are always there for us, God. That we can cast our concerns and worries. On your shoulders. Your shoulders are big and strong, Father God. And when we do that, Father God, we have this sense of peace, Lord. We have this sense of life, Father God, that we don't get from any other um, experience here on earth. And it's part of the reason why we know that you are true, Father God, because your Holy Spirit connects with us in such a deep way and reminds us that we are your creation, that you designed us and made us by your hand, Father God. I pray, Lord, that today you would help me to speak your word with clarity, Father God, with power, Father God, and that um, it, we would all be inspired, Father God, to serve you more wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a, a story in uh, the Gospel of Luke where a, sinning, a sinner woman hears that Jesus is in, in town and going to stay at a, a, a Pharisee's house. He's eating there. And um, she gets this idea somewhere deep in her heart, uh, inspired by God, no doubt, to get an expensive box of perfume and to go and to sit behind Jesus and at his feet. And I'm um, sure she's walking to the house. She knows who she is. The people at the house knows who she is. I mean, in the in the story, it says that the Pharisee was mad at Jesus because he said, doesn't he know, you know who this woman is, that she's a sinner? So she had a reputation. But she goes there, she's knelt down behind Jesus and at his feet, and she can feel everybody around her watching her. You know, and she can feel her neck is getting red because she feels the weight of judgment, you know, unwelcomeness. And, and uh, then she starts to cry. And she used those tears to wash Jesus' feet. But she wasn't crying because of the judgment from the people. That's not why she was crying. Um, she was past that. She was crying because that weight that she felt of judgment was replaced by a, a holy weight, a holy burden, a holy just... Jesus' presence right there, out of everybody in the entire room, she felt this, this vibe coming from him of, you are forgiven, of, I love you, and, um, and just acceptance. And so she cries because she's never felt that way before. She has never felt clean before. And so with her tears, she washes his feet with her hair, she dries his feet, and with her expensive perfume, she um, makes his feet smell good. And the Bible says that she kissed his feet, you know. And Jesus says to her, in response to the other people, the audience's thinking, their wicked thoughts, he says in res- to her in response to them, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that's what she did. For the first time, she walks away in peace. And, the, and Jesus says 
your faith has saved you. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. It, it cannot be done. It's something that He desperately wants from us. And it's impossible to live the abundant life that God has for us without faith. And that freedom that she felt we will never experience if we don't put ourselves out there, if we don't go all the way, if we aren't committed to this idea that the Holy Spirit gave. And just think about her situation. She was sitting at home, she hears Jesus is here, and she gets an idea. It's a crazy idea. It's an uncomfortable idea, but it's, an, it's a holy idea. And she follows through with it. And the Pharisee, who also had an idea, who invited Jesus into his house, he, was, he saw Jesus as important enough to take time to invite him into his house, to feed him, to give him drink, to honor him. He, when Jesus spoke, he, he called him teacher. So he was giving Jesus a level of respect, but nowhere near the sinning woman. She had given everything. She went all the way with that idea. And so she walked away with the abundant life. He walked away life as normal and uh, still looking for answers. As Christ followers, we have the potential to be the most powerful beings on earth. Jesus says that um, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you don't need a lot. It doesn't need to be huge. It just needs to be a quality seed that you can move a mountain. And there's no bigger mountain than this woman walking into this room, a sinner, and leaving as the righteousness of God, having received his forgiveness. So we get together in this house, all Christ followers sitting in this room. And this is a room full of powerful beings people that have the ear of God Almighty. You know, we can do a lot of things with Christ. But too often we fail to overcome. Too often we fail to um, pass the test because we forget who we are and what we have. We do a really good job of understanding who He is. We really seek that. We really put Him up there. He's the Creator. He is Almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. He is, he is everything. everything is, nothing is impossible to Him. And we don't have any problem believing that if He wants to, He can crack the earth open like an egg if He wanted to. But we fail at saying, what does that mean about who I am? We are... As the Bible says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are the physical realm's representation of the Trinity. We are what the earth sees. We, we are what God has chosen to present to earth as His representative. I looked up what an ambassador is, and I was really happy with what I read last night. A diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one state to another as its resident representative. We are the highest ranking thing that God could send into the earth to represent Him. You know, where it's not 
the trees, it's not the animals, it's not the whole creation as a whole, but we carry the image and the likeness of God. And there's something within us, not the sin part obviously, but there's something within us that reflects perfectly who Jesus is. And He did that on purpose. And it means that we are important. And it means that we have to take who we are, recognize it, and live that way. We, Jesus says that the, that the meek will inherit the earth, and He wants us to be humble. And yes, we do need to be humble. But what I'm telling you is you need to see yourself as important, and you need to see yourself as royalty, because that's how God has seen you. So when we go to God, we go to Him with meekness and with humility, but when we turn around and we face the world and Satan and his demons and his strategies, we look at them, we look down on them as kings. We look down on them as we are an ambassador of Christ. And so we have the full spectrum of we're balanced in humility before God Almighty, but we're not scared of anything because we ha- He's got our back. So we have to remember who we are. John, in John 17, 21, it's one of the verses that Jesse was talking about. Jesus talks, he's praying. He's praying to the Father and he's welcoming us. He's welcoming the believers and he says, we, I am one with you and you are one with me and they will be one with us. We will be one. So when you, we, we go out into the world as God's ambassador, we tend to look at it as we're a salesman or we're, we're going out and we're, and we're kind of talking about another entity. But what I want to suggest is that we are owning that who we are, that we're, that we're one with God. And so that when we go and we, rep, we talk to the earth about God, that we're talking about us, God and me, us, rather than God. And I'm not saying that we're trying to make ourselves equal with God or above God or anything like that. It's own who you are. When you go out and you talk, you are representing Christ. When, and, and if you don't believe me, think of all the people who don't go to church because of Christians. They're watching us and they're saying, that's who Jesus is. And Jesus, in a way, agrees with that. And he, he says in John 17, 21, that the objective, the, one of the reasons, the intent behind us becoming one with that Trinity, he says, is so that the world may know that you sent me. If, if Jesus was sent by the Father, and He's God, and He brings us in, and He affects our life in such a way that is just life-changing, then that means that the Jesus who was here, who walked the earth, was real. He was God. And so the more we take on that ownership of who we are, that we are one with God, that we are authorized to negotiate with the world on behalf of the Father, the more faith that we'll have. We, here on earth, we have a crown of shame. We have a crown of... um, Fear. You know, Christians are, uh, I was having a Bible study at work, and I, I had a co-worker come down and sit down, he's like, oh, what are you guys doing? He sits down, and we're like, oh, we're talking about the Bible. Oh, and he's like, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, and then he said something like, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to sit here and let um, that ruin my mind or something like that, you know, like, 
He's still my friend, but he's, he's lost, you know. But, but, you know, that, what he said was intended to make me feel like an idiot. You know, it was intended to, I don't know if he intended it, but it did make me feel that way. You know, you, why would you waste your time doing it? So, on earth, we have this crown of shame, but when we die, you know, that crown of shame, it's not even shame. You know, we should be proud to, to suffer with Christ. But that, that crown of shame is going to be replaced with a real holy crown, an eternal crown, and one that everybody will wish that they would have had. You know? And so part of faith is it's not so much hoping for what will be in the future, but it's coming to a place where we agree with what already is. Amen. So we don't, we shouldn't look to say, I'm going to fully represent God or I'm going to be one with God when I die. But we should remember that we are seated with God in heavenly places right now. Amen. That we are wearing crowns right now. And when we pray, we even in our prayers have a reminder of what I'm saying. At the very end of all of our prayers, we say in Jesus' name. And some people tend to look at that and say, I'm saying in Jesus' name so that everybody around me knows that I'm praying to Jesus rather than Buddha or some other God. I'm praying in Jesus. I'm praying to Jesus. But that in Jesus' name is a reminder to us that we are here saying what Jesus would say if he were here right now. In Jesus' name. We're speaking, we are his mouthpiece. If he was here, if he was inside of me, this is what he would be saying. So you see, we are very important people here on earth. We need to take up our position as ambassadors and take it seriously. Um... And when we pray, this is, this is kind of a side note, but when you pray, we need to pray not on earth sending up a request to heaven, but we need to pray from heaven commanding earth. And if you think like that and you pray like that, you, you will talk differently when you pray. And you will feel more comfortably saying in Jesus' name and thinking this is what Jesus would say if he was here on earth. In one of the letters that John wrote, he said that if we pray according to the will of the Father, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we already have what we asked him for. So we need to, the better more and effective we are at saying what Jesus would say if he was here, the more effective we will be at being heard and the more effective we will get what we're asking for. Who we are, we're important. We are important. And we should be feared by the enemy. We shouldn't fear the enemy. We shouldn't fear the circumstances that he puts us in front of either. Because it's going to pass. It always does. You're not dead yet. And even if you die, it's not done. You didn't lose. 
We need to be able to be brave and strong because of who He is and who He has made us. We, I'm not saying that we're kings and we're important because we are. I'm saying He made us that way. It was His decision. And I'm just glad He did it. But we forget. We forget who we are. What do we have? We have His attention, which is priceless. Can you, has everybody in here seen the, sh- the show Shark Tank? A lot of people, you guys haven't. It's Shark Tank is basically a show of four people sitting in a chair, and they're all billionaires or millionaires. They have a ton of money. And then somebody comes up and presents an idea for a business or a product, and he tries to get buy-in from one or, or a few of these sharks. And they make deals right on the spot, and it's great TV. And he, they make a deal. They impress one of these sharks. Boom, they just get millions of dollars poured into their idea to make it happen. And there are stories that, you know, this is all real life. This is really happening. And they themselves become very powerful and very rich because of the investment that these people with influence made on them. And what, and if you actually have an idea, if you actually have something that can add value to society, what is that worth to be able to present to a shark who has millions of dollars in you just hit a, hit a string or a chord with him, boom, all the money that you need to make it happen, it'll go. But we have Jesus Christ's ear. And he's the one who made these guys millionaires. So we have something that is priceless. You can't, it's amazing what we have. The ability to speak and for him to hear our requests. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth so that he can strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. So the fact that we have God's attention is, is like really awesome, but it's also kind of scary at the same time because he's watching us. But you can look at it as, I hope I don't mess up. Or you can look at it as limitless, limitless power. Because He is looking to strongly support you. That's why He's looking. He's not looking to see whose heart's completely mine so that, you know, I'll love them more. But He's purposeful. He's wanting to strongly support. In 1 Samuel Second 30, he says that he will honor those who honor him and those who despise him will be lightly esteemed. But those who honor him, he is willing to honor. He wants to. And 1 John 4, 4 is probably a good verse for what I'm saying here because it says that we are from God. That's who we are. We are from God and that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. That's what we have. We have the one who is in us. He trumps everybody. trumps everything. I want to read about um, a story and what it looks like when we remember these things, who we are and what we have. And that's in Daniel. Book of Daniel, chapter 3. I love this story. <clears throat> it's Daniel's friends 
um, before King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar built an idol out of gold, and every time he, he played music, he expected all of the citizens to bow down and worship this image. And uh, Daniel's friends did not do it. They were unwilling. And so now they are standing before the most powerful king in the entire world. And um, um, he's talking to them with rage. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you will not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And then I'll have a really beautiful pot. No, I'm just joking. And what, and what God is, and what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Okay. Um, they, they seem a little confident to me. Um, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But even if He does not, let it be known to you, O King, that we are not going to serve the gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. When they say that even if he does not, they are not saying we don't have faith that he's going to deliver us. That's not what that statement means. That statement just means they understand that sometimes people have to die. Sometimes it's our time to die. We have to die eventually. Sometimes bad things will happen. But it doesn't mean that God isn't going to deliver us. It doesn't mean that He isn't strongly supporting us. But what happens? They are thrown into the furnace. Even the people who are throwing them in the furnace die. They don't. And there's a fourth figure that is with them in the furnace and protects them. They remembered who they were in Christ. They remembered what they had, and they had off-the-charts confidence because of it. Off-the-charts faith. They're standing before a king who's going to throw them in a furnace, and they're talking like this. And, you know, we, we have struggles here, and we just cuss and complain. And we're like, you know, what's going to happen? Because we forget who we are. We don't forget who he is. We know who he is. But we forget who we are, and we forget what we have. We have his ear, and we are royalty because he has made us that. If you can look at the disciples when they were with Jesus, 
on uh, the boat where the storm took place. Jesus is sleeping. Um, they freak out and they run into Jesus' room and they say, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus wakes up and he calms the seas and he looks at them with disappointment and he says, why do you have a little faith? You know, the, the disciples at that time were looking and saying, we need God to do something. Daniel's friends were agreeing with what God has already done. We are already delivered. We are already delivered out of anything that you will ever experience. So we need to be strong and courageous and Tomorrow, when something hits you from the enemy, when something hits you just from the world and life that we live, you need to be strong enough at least to say, time out, let me back up, and let me give God a chance. And you know what? It's like the eye of God will be right on you. And he'll be like, okay, everybody get ready. I'm about to strongly support this one. God likes that. It's impossible to please God without faith. He loves when somebody has faith. When we read the Bible, we tend to project ourselves in, in the story. You know, we look at the Israelites and we're like, man, if we were there, if I was there, I would totally, you know, like, obey God. <laughs> Especially after all those signs that I saw. And especially after, um, you know, you know, like him breaking that rock and we had water and he killed all those uh, Egyptians. Oh my gosh, I would totally believe. And we, you know, we look at the Pharisees and we're like, oh my gosh, they're so judgmental. You know, how, how could they ever be like that? You know, it, it, look at all the signs that Jesus did and they're still unbelieving. I would totally not do that. But then when we live in life, we reject ourselves. You know, when we read, we're projecting our lives into the stories, but when we live, we're rejecting who we are. We're rejecting that we, we need to step into a situation and people need to be scared that we're there. You know what I mean? Like, not, not scared in the sense that, like, you know, we're intimidating them, but, like, we are powerful people. We have Jesus Christ behind us, in us, willing to strongly support us, and we're scared that, you know, our boss is going to fire us or something. We're scared about losing our job. You know, we need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We need to honor God and remember who we are. He is eager to look at you and to say, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, this, what I'm talking about, would not be possible if you were not loving it would not be possible if you were not just so good, Father. Why are you looking to strongly support those who were previously your enemy? Why, Father God, would you come, um, be spit in the face on, have your beard ripped out, have a crown of thorns put on, to be nailed to a cross, and to look at those people who are nailing you on the cross and be able to know that you are dying for even them. 
God, uh, it's, you're kind of crazy. But we thank you, Father God, for who you are. Your love is crazy. And Lord, we have the opportunity to put our faith and trust in a God who loves like crazy. Lord, you have delivered me many times in my life. And I'm sure everybody in this room has testimonies, examples of how you're there. I personally, and on behalf of this church, ask for forgiveness for being scared when life's obstacles come before us. I pray that today and this week that we would be men and women of God. That we wouldn't be scared of anything. That we would remember who you are and what that makes us and what we have in your ear. All evil and darkness and wickedness should be gone. In Jesus' name, I pray that the Holy Spirit would start to affect people in this room and to let them know that unlimited potential, the nothing is impossible with God, is available to them. You who hear my voice, it's available to you. The faith that can move a mountain is available to you. Why not take it up? Why not accept it? Why not live the abundant life? Why not honor God? Why not give a chance to God to strongly support you? Lord, you are so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.